Welcome to the Business of Strength podcast. Today, Dan and I are going to discuss the hot seat and 10 questions every gym owner should be able to answer. We're going to break down, we're going to go through each question and we're going to go into deep detail into a few of these. And this is kind of like a little strategy we like to do when we do our business mentorships and, you know, our private workshops and we have like, uh, you know, or private masterminds and things like that. We give this out to all of our clients to answer, and we think these questions are super important in helping kind of all gym owners narrow the focus and kind of give you an aiming point as to where where some of the holes in your business might be. You know, by answering these questions, it kind of give you like that thirty thousand square foot viewpoint. You know, so you can looking down on your business and really being able to kind of make some real serious changes. You know, first start of change really comes from you know, looking at yourself honestly and, you know, identifying where the strengths and weaknesses are. So this is super important for all gym owners. I think you guys will get a lot out of this. I know I know when Dan and I, um, you know, went to our own mentorships and hired our own business coaches and they did something, you know, things similar and asked us a lot of uncomfortable questions. And there were some of them that we just flat out didn't know the answers to and that, you know, you know, was concerning and, you know, go back to the lab you know, get the answers, fixed it, and and move on. And now, obviously, now we're on the other side of the desk, on the other side, and positioning ourselves um, in the same way. So uh, I want to talk about a couple of our sponsors. This episode is brought to you by the Tread Sled, the world's first and only non-motorized sports performance treadmill. Develops speed, power, and conditioning year-round with one amazing machine. Uh, this thing is awesome. We've had ours here for over 12 years. And it's been running, you know, fantastic for that entire time. And the new version is, you know, bigger, better, faster, and, and able to accommodate more athletes. And uh, it's kind of like, you know, one, to, one way it's like you doing a belted sled walk, and the other way it's like doing a low-incline hill sprint. So it's just a phenomenal machine for maximizing speed, strength, power, sports performance. And you can get more information about the tread sled at treadsled.com. That's treadsled, T-R-E-A-D, sled, S-L-E-D.com. And as always, if you want to become unstoppable and become the best version of yourself and train with world leaders in strength and conditioning, this episode is always brought to you by Varsity House Gym, and you can check out their programs uh, from a variety of different sports and athletes. we got a ton of free programs on the website, and you can check that out and go to www.varsityhousegym.com. The hot seat coming at you. Welcome to the Business of Strength, powered by Varsity House Gym, the podcast for strength entrepreneurs. You know, Dan and I are here. We're going to bring these to you. Uh, uh, well, I'm going I'm to read all these questions first, and then we're going to dive deep into, you know, a few of them. Obviously, we can't spend three hours going through every single one of them. And uh, if you want to get on the hot seat, you know, attend one of our two-day business mentorships. Uh, we got another one coming up in two weeks, December 6th and 7th. Uh, here at Varsity House Gym, you can go to strengthentrepreneurs.com and check that out. And uh, here's the first, here are the questions. Here's the hot seat. Uh, number one, what unique problem does your business solve? Number two, who is your ideal client? Number three, what, how does your business generate revenue? What are your primary offerings, front-end offerings, back-ends, upsells, and such? Number four, what is your pricing strategy and Why? Okay, that kind of ties in with number three. What are you actually charging people? Okay, number five, are there products or people in your business that are not profitable? Okay, if so, why do you still have them? Number six, how much time do you 
and or your management team spend on revenue generation, creating new systems, and developing products? Number seven, what is your yearly client value and retention rate? And what strategies do you have in place to improve them? Number eight, do you have a well-defined marketing strategy? And if so, how does it attract your ideal client? Number nine, what's your social media strategy? Does it co-align with your marketing strategy or do you, have, do you use separate platforms for various uh, strategies? Number 10, what's your biggest hurdle or area that needs the most improvement right now? Number 11, in 10 years, what will your business look like? And have you clearly outlined a plan to get there? Number 12, this is kind of a loaded question. Do you absolutely love what you do and couldn't see yourself doing anything else, even if it means working 50 to 60 hours a week for years to come? Okay, those are the hot seat questions that we ask each and every one of our business uh, mentorship members, our, our, our two-day workshop members. Okay? And I think that if, if you're a gym owner out there and you could answer all 12 of these in as much detail as possible. Obviously, some of them you can detail a lot and write out your entire marketing strategy and things like that. But if you can confidently answer all 12 of these business, I would say you're running a, a, a pretty tight uh, uh, gym business, wouldn't you say so, Dan? Yeah, I mean, some of these questions obviously are loaded questions, and you get people up in front of the room, in front of a group, and they kind of look at you with their eyes wide open and don't know what to say, even though they know what they're thinking and how they're feeling about it. It's just hard to verbalize, but that's half the battle is actually getting what's up here in your head out onto paper and to show your crew, if you do have a crew, they have to have the same visual visualization that you do because it's very easy to just have it all upstairs or think yeah. you have it all upstairs yeah. and nobody else knows shit about what you're thinking. So, you know, another thing is, is we've seen people in the Strongest Year group where some of these questions might not be able to be answered right now, but we'll focus on answering one at a time and then you get to the next one and the next one. And then, you know, number 12 do you absolutely love what you do and couldn't, your see, couldn't see yourself doing anything else? A lot of times people might be hesitant with that because they don't have the systems or structure in place to be like, man, I don't, I don't think I could do this for another six months. Yeah. But if yeah. you do, if you can answer some of these questions, you know, that answer will tend to change for a lot of people. You look at somebody like Phil. You know, Phil in the last 18 months has – you know, he's had a he's a come to relove his business. Yeah, he loves that. it. And yeah. he's been taking vacations and he has, you know, really profitable business and employees. Uh, Brad, who's really been done, done an excellent job and nothing's changed other than his verbalization as to how he wants things conducted, his front end offers. And he's been able to answer these questions in full detail. And he's been kicking ass. You know, I think, too, like, you know, when you ask people, do you really love what you do? <clears throat> it's easy it's easy to say yes, but then we close the door, we turn the lights out, and we go home, and you're sitting in your car, and you're like, God, you know, this, I don't want to be, you know, 10 years yeah. from now, am I still going to be doing this? Am I still going to be doing this? So, you know, number one thing in all entrepreneurial situations is passion. If you're not passionate, and I mean truly passionate, it's going to be very hard to be successful. Unless, unless you know, mom or your daddy you got a huge bankroll, and they're just kind of flooding you cash, which is not the case for 99% of the people we meet. You know, and, and you're just sitting on a boatload of I don't give a shit. You know, I can spend, you know, whatever type of money and, and live with it. 
um, then you're going to have to really care a lot and you're going to have to invest your time and you're going to have to make a lot of sacrifices. So, you know, that's the number one thing is understanding that if you're going to go, if you're in business for yourself, there is no easy way out. There is no magic pixie dust. There's no shortcuts. There's no free lunch. There's no nothing, right? It's, it's, it's hard work every single day. And Dan and I, you know, 10 years later in our partnership, and 20 years of, of coaching and training and being in the industry myself, you know, every, every year we hit the reset button. Every year is a new year. It's like kind of like a team in the NFL, you know. Every year, you know, the, the Patriots win the Super Bowl, right? The next year they got to rebuild, they got to retool, and they got to restructure, and they got to start the whole process over from zero. Now, mm-hmm. do we start from zero? No, and neither do the Patriots. You know, we start from halfway up the ladder. But it's like we have good systems in place. We got good people in place. That took a decade to put together, you know what I mean? And then then it's, but it's still about executing a plan, sticking to a system, changing things. You cannot stay stagnant. You cannot, I do not just roll out yeah. the same exact marketing plan every single year no, and hit the, have, hit the you reset You have to button. evolve and you have to learn. You know, you win or you learn. And a lot of times we end up learning. And it's one of those things where when you put somebody on the hot seat, it's like asking somebody how they're doing. I could walk into Trevor's office every day. Hey, Trev, how you doing? Yeah, good. What's going on? Nothing. It's, it's so easy, but when we get to talking, you start to ask detailed questions, you start to get detailed answers. And yeah. that comes, you know, obviously when you, when you put a strength entrepreneur on the hot seat and start asking detailed questions, the answers, like you said, they, they start to change. And yeah. for, for a lot of people, you could ask me on any given day, is I mean, you could real time, the last three months, we've been going through a shitload of change here, Lots. and it's been hard. And you, you could ask me, you know, what's going on? You know, how's it going? And I'll tell you, yeah, everything's going pretty good. A lot of change happening because I have a positive mindset because I understand that the change is important and the change is going to bring Varsity House to a level that's never been seen before. And I appreciate that change, but it doesn't mean that it's not freaking hard. No, and you also see, like, I can see the, the stress in other people Oh, yeah. In regards to the change, For you know, sure. we're making some changes with our pricing structure, our weekly schedule, you know, how we run our adult programs. We got a bunch of new things coming out for New Year, and 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 I just see like people like you know people like I don't know they like hitting the cruise control. Well, set we, that shit at sixty five and yeah, I mean, look, you know, we, and go go to, go. Uh, we I had a consult the other day um, <clears throat> for somebody that's coming to the business of strength in December. And you talk about it with a, with, a, with a strength coach. A strength coach, it's easy to bill hours because that's what we're good at doing. It's easy to say, okay, you're going to train three times a week. It costs X. I'm going to put your program together. The end. It's, yeah. There's not a lot of emotional investment because you know how to bill hours. You know how to program hours, and you know where to show up. You know where your tools are in the gym. It's easy. Yes. It's hard. It takes a large emotional investment to go, hmm, I've done this like this for 10 years. It's worked well, but not well enough to say, hey, we're going to turn our schedule upside down, and I hope this works. And it takes a shitload of emotional stress to say, wow, there's a lot of people relying on this. We have to make sure that this absolutely works. And then usually it does, and then – the things that go awry with it, we'll adjust them and, and work it out for the next time. Yeah, it's funny because it's kind of a juxtaposition, but people ask me all the time, like, what's, you know, do things get easier? 
And I said, no I said, absolutely not. They've gotten much, much more complicated. And, uh, you know, the easiest year in business was my first year because the only thing I had literally had a, pe- a pen and a pad and a checkbook. And, and, and I wrote like, literally, I wrote like two checks a month. <laughs> you know, I wrote, I wrote a paycheck to myself. I wrote the rent check and, and probably like, you know, like PSE and G and shit. But yeah. that was about it. You know, and now it's like uh, uh, now having a, in a sense, a complicated business. When when I was by myself and I said, I want to raise rates. Okay, who cares? That's it. Okay, I'm raising rates. Done. If I said, I don't want to work on Sunday. All right, nobody's there. Who, who's with me? Uh, oh, oh, that's right. I'm ma- <laughs> oh, oh, yeah, I'm with me, right? But now it's like, you know, when I say, oh, hey, we're going to run a small group class, and now we're going to have to double staff 6 a.m. every day. Everybody's like, what? What, 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 what? You know, like losing their minds. Like, well, who's going to do that? What are we going to do? And it's like, well, calm down. I got a plan. Don't worry. You know what I mean? So you, not only do you have to, you know, convince yourself that you're doing the right thing, you, get, you then got to go into a meeting with, you know, 15 other people yeah. and convince them that you're doing the right thing, too. You have, you know? you have there's so much more, and it sounds corny to say emotional stress, but yeah. the stress of going home being like, man, like, you, you've got real issues, and, and if you want things to change, it starts at the top. If you want things to be easy, don't go into business for yourself. <laughs> no. Just open up a little garage gym. Charge people like a hundred bucks an hour to train, and do ten to fifteen sessions a week, and keep it like a part-time side hustle. You know, otherwise, otherwise, when you know, don't run a business because once you start to grow a business, the business becomes a a an entity in and of itself, and the business is lo- larger than Dan and I at this and, point. And and there's another fallacy. There's there have been people, and it has been brought to our attention of people that want to do that, but they want to start an online business. The online business and the online world is as hard or harder than the brick and harder, mortar yeah. space. I think it's hard. So, you know, don't go into that with your eyes, I, eyes closed. I, so there's a reason why I can name the top 10 strength entrepreneurs online in my head. You know what I mean? Like right off the top of my head, it's like, you know, Eric Cressy, Joe D, Athlean X, Alan Cosgrove, Lee FTS. Those guys were doing it for years. 20 years. Before anybody was doing it. Joe was writing articles and putting stuff on his website when I was still saying, Hey, nobody want to go on a website and read that shit. I'm doing it in the gym. You know, and yeah, who's laughing at who, right? You know what I mean? And like, same thing with Athlean X. Hey, I'm going to do a YouTube every single week for 20 years. Three you times know. a week. You know what I mean? So, and, and high quality. So, when you look at like Jeff Cavalier and those guys who are doing that stuff, it, there, there are not a lot of people making huge money online, right? There are a lot more gym guys. There's a lot of gym guys that you don't know their names who are making megabucks. A lot, yeah. You know, there's a guy right down here in Jersey, right, I told you, you know, that owns 15 gyms. He's sold his gym corporation three times, and every time he has, he's tripled his net worth. So, you know, there's, a plenty, there's plenty of money to be around. The online business is a finicky thing, all right? So... Let's dive into this a little bit. So let's start with question number one. I really think this is probably, out of all the things in terms of sales we talk about all the time, we are solving a solution to a problem. And that's really the key in all sales. So what unique problem does your business solve? Uh, you know, Dan, what, what do you have to say? Like, what, do you, what can you add in terms of entrepreneurs? What should they be thinking about? In terms of you know creating a list or an idea as to what problems their business solve. All right, I'm gonna I'm gonna kind of turn this question back around, and I'll let you do some answering as well. But the 
you cannot answer this question by saying, well, we have an unbelievable, really unique community. That is total bullshit. That's not solving a problem. Every single coach is going to say that their members are great, or I hope you say that. They're going to say that their gym community is unbelievable and that they've grown because of referrals. That is not a unique position. That is not a unique solution. Every gym in the world (laughs) can say that for themselves. So a unique position that we had 10 years ago, really 12 years ago, I'll give you an example, is that we were one of the only gyms in 2006 that was a garage gym, was a hardcore garage gym, and only catered to one thing, and that was sports performance. Um, and at the time, we were, you were creating a brand, I think, without even really knowing it. Yeah. Um, and that brand has transcended itself to now we're still in a warehouse-style gym with all the new bells and whistles. However, we still cater to athletes, their families, and the health-conscious community, where we've just expanded from the athlete, where it's athletes, let's get their parents in here, and let's go find first responders, military, um, you know, it could be it could be anybody that somebody that values fitness in their top five of, you know, family, finances, faith, whatever it may be, fitness. Uh, absolutely. Our unique problem, our unique, you know, problem that we solve is helping athletes and the families of athletes regain a resemblance of their athletic self and or perpetuate the athletic ability that those athletes already have. Mm -hmm. Our whole model is designed around helping athletes perform better on and off the field and helping adults who want to move better, feel better, look better, and in a sense move like athletes, Mm -hmm. you know, Conquer the you know the in a sense the, the the game of life right by by improving their fitness and movement abilities and and so like our whole mantra has always been you know athletic performance athletic success personal success become unstoppable become unstoppable you right? could see that the second you walk into the facility too where the brand transcends itself where you walk in the facility and there's not pictures of. Joe and I and our coaches, even though I think there should be some more some more pictures. We've been talking about that. That's for 2019. But it's our athletes. It's our athletes performing. It's our adult community on posters in and around the gym. It's before and after pictures of people, real-life people that have gone through the program here and are still here, and testimonials and just amazing action, actionable items that are on – for display where you could walk in here for five minutes and go, wow, like I could feel the energy in here. I could feel the positivity in here. I can see the results that have been put on display right here in front of my face. The facility sells itself. And I'm not talking about the size of the facility or anything like that, because at 184 Central, it sold itself there too. Yeah, so. we were fine. I mean, even in my garage, I mean, I was packed I, I, at one point. At the end of my tenure in in the original garage, I was so busy that I'd have to have a group of athletes sit outside on the stairs until the next group was done, and like there was literally no space for them. I remember being at 184, our second, our our first facility, and literally we would tell kids to just wait out in the parking lot. Remember, they would literally be like they would be warming kids up in the parking lot because there'd be on 50 kids in field. the gym, you know. So 
you know, the when you when you can hone in on a unique problem. So in our case, it was sports performance. It was getting athletes better on and off the field. That period. That's it. That's what we did for years. That was all we did. You know, athletic sports performance. If you if you want it to get better at your sport, you came to Varsity House in our local area for and sure. A unique problem that was being had at the time in two thousand and six. There was a huge speed school craze where everybody was going for speed work. But you could go there and they were most facilities they were not offering strength training, yeah. Strength training as well. So I was like, okay, so I'm just supposed to do my strength work at a high school or what what am I doing here? And you know, we were able to and you were able to bridge the gap where it was strength and conditioning yes. and speed work yeah. all Sports performance in under one, one program, yeah, exactly. exactly, and 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 it was tough at first. <clears throat> I remember getting a lot of, you know, it was different. Like when I had you and Chris and Oak and all those guys coming in, like you guys were already a little bit older and kind of already knew that you had to lift weights. But like that was not my uh, that was not my avatar at that time. I had you know a dozen college kids. My my main kids were you know middle school and high school. So, you know, it was really tough at first battling against some of the bigger, like, you know, names and like Parisi's and things like that and, and, and Velocity Sports Performance who were running speed classes. Mm -hmm. And here I was like, no, no, your kid's got a deadlift, squat, bench press, and we're going to do some running and jumping too. Um, and to, to explain that to a mom or dad who, you know, has, let's call it 1970s misconceptions about strength stunting their growth, about, you know, is it too hard? Is it going to hurt my kid and things like that? And it's like, well, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm a good strength coach, trust me. You know, and it was more like me just sh having to show people through, through you know, through on-field proof, you know what I mean? We're like, hey, I had, you know, I had kids that were literally like, mowing kids over on the football field. And then that's when started like shit started to really change. I had a couple kids that started with me right away and and those kids wind up becoming like dominant. I actually have a know, funny story for you. Varsity starters and pe that's when people started saying like, "Wow, maybe football is more about getting strong and explosive than just doing endless hours of bullshit speed classes." Yeah, you know? actually funny story for you. So coach Darty, who is the freshman coach at Ultapan High School here in town. He uh you remember that whole crew of kids you had it was it was my brother but the OT kids was right, Tommy Kramer, Tommy Kramer yeah, Mac, yeah, sure, Zach sure. Al Sharif, all those guys and you yeah. were teaching Pete them how Sharif, to yeah. Pete, yeah, teaching them how to how to jump and power clean. You taught them a true power clean progression because that was part of their freshman testing. Yep. And um I remember vividly that you had that group and then coach Darty actually came by the gyms like, "Man, like your kids are super proficient in the power clean usually i can't ever they can't test past the barbell because i'm worried about it actually this morning coach doherty i got to get back to him it just made me pop in my head his son is actually all comes full circle his son now is in sixth grade and he's gonna come and he wants to register his son and he said for the exact program that those guys did to yeah. prepare him for high school. So it's amazing how things kind of come full circle like that. Absolutely. Now that program, thankfully, has progressed greatly. Um, I, I think I did a nice job in the original version of that. The year-round periodization for high school athletes is still on our website. It's still a free download on our website. It's on varsityhousegym.com, so you can check that out. And that is, that is still to this day 
pretty much the basic shell of everything we do uh, with obviously a lot more. I would say now we do a lot more corrective work and a lot more single leg work. And that was about as close to, um, you know, an athletic version of West Side as you can get back in the day. I mean, that's where I was heavily influenced from, from, you know, West Side and Joe D and, uh, 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 you know, a lot of, you know, the late Charles Palquin stuff. And then, you know, obviously Buddy Morris also and, and guys like that that greatly influenced me before I opened up my own gym. And, uh, you know, but sticking true to your brand and solving a problem. Strength was the problem. Athletes were weak. If at, here, so the, real, the root of it all was parents wanted their kids to get faster, right? And the number one way to get fast is to get fucking strong. That's it. Especially in a, in a start and stop sprint dominated sport like football, right? If I want to sprint five yards repeatedly over and over and over again, just be able to squat 500 pounds and you'll be able to mow people over all day. So solve a problem, fix the problem, make lots of cash money. <laughs> all, right. all right. Number two, okay. Who is your ideal client? Okay. This is the only two we're going to go in order. Then we're going to jump a little bit. Okay. Who is your ideal client? So um, now over the years, we only had one, right? In the beginning, we only had one, I should say. And over the years now, we have, you know, really, you know, let's call it two main avatars. You know, let's call it, you know, you know, little Johnny, little Susie, you know, who's the middle school, high school athlete who's, you know, wanting to perform better at their sport. Mom and dad are sport enthusiasts who drive little Johnny and little Susie to 15 different teams, travel leagues, you know, club teams. They get on a plane three or four times a year and go to Florida, California, you name it, right? And they love little Susie to death, and they want her to be the best. And, uh, and there's, there's some hope of getting scholarship money, but most of it is just about being a great athlete, competing, and, and having, the, having more opportunity uh, to get into college and things like that, right? The, the likelihood that each kid is going to get a scholarship is really slow or really low. Uh, and then our other avatar is, you know, what we like to call frustrated Frank or stuck, Sal- stuck Stacy. And that's a 40 to 60-year-old, you know, uh, affluent adult with kids, right, who, uh, you know, values longevity, you know, lifestyle, and wants maybe doesn't know anything about fitness but knows that fitness needs to be part of their life. And, and you know, is maybe like, you know, been stuck, been in a rut, had a couple kids, life got in the way, my business, my, my job, you know, those damn kids. I got three kids and I haven't seen the inside of a gym in 10 years, right? So that's our, our, our two main avatars. And, and I've even gone so far as to writing like a little story about each one of those and kind of like putting myself in the head of little Johnny, little Susie and their families. And then, you know, obviously our avatar kind of go together, right? Athletes, their families and the health conscious community they live in, you know? So because when you sell those people, you, you brought up a good point. When you sell those people, you have to be in their head because you have to have empathy for the issues that they are trying to get solved. So you have to understand, you have to be able to speak to that football player that's a sophomore that has a power clean test coming up in six months. You have to be able to understand where that person's coming from. You have to be able to understand where you know a 50-year-old dad is that hasn't seen the inside of a gym and their doctor's telling them that they have to lose 50 pounds. You have to be able to understand where they are coming from 
And when you speak to them, it, if you understand, it won't seem like you're so concerned about the sale. You'll think, how can I help this person? How can I speak to their needs? And when you talk to their needs and you get affirmations from them, like, yes, like, you know, time is my biggest issue. And we start talking about all the availability and how we're going to hold that person accountable. It's not all about the sale of you need to be training three times a week, no matter what, like you have to make this work. It's going to cost this much money. The sales process when you're speaking to people's needs is way different. No, when there's a time roadblock, just speaking about that specific example that you gave them, Dan, I, I never focus on what we're, I focus on how we're going to make training the most efficient that it's been. So in two to three workouts a week, you're going to get as much, if not more, than you doing six on your own, mm-hmm. right? And, and, and how when you walk through the door, we're going to have everything set up and structured for you. So, you know, you don't have to think about nothing. All you have to do is show up, right? So the only habit that you need to, you know, in a sense, make is putting your gym shoes and shorts by the door in the morning and putting them and getting out the door. So, you know, finding out who your ideal client, you want to detail this as much as possible. Uh, I could put some links in the show notes, uh, Trevor, about, like, uh, about the ideal client avatars that I did and kind of show people what that looks like. But you want to write this out in detail. And, like, when I, when I said, like, frustrated Frank and stuck Stacy, right, like, I'm not talking about the 25-year-old wannabe CrossFitter, right? That's a different thing. I don't want those people here. We don't have that. That's not what we do. That's not who we attract, right? I attract mostly athletes and their families, so that's going to be 40 to 60-year-old parents, right? And, and their brothers, their sisters, their aunts and uncles and things like that. And timed-out athletes. And timed-out athletes, right? And, and, but, you know, if I said to some, if, I, if a woman came in here 45 years old and told me she hadn't seen the inside of a gym, and I told her, well, you know, what we do here is crush wads, and I'm going to have you doing 20 snatches and 75 box jumps in no time, <laughs> right? I think our clientele would run out the door, for sure. right? And they don't want to hear that. So our clientele is looking for functional fitness. They're looking for fun. They're looking for community. They're looking for help. They're looking for us to help them get back into shape. Now, do we have some really fit people here? Absolutely. Do we have some people who, who compete, who train at a different level? Absolutely. But they're, they are the small percentage. They are the 10 percenters. They do not make up the majority. The 80% of our clientele are just regular people, moms and dads, businessmen, housewives, businesswomen, you know, professionals who, who want to make fitness part of their lifestyle in a very non-threatening, fun, athletic kind of way. And, and that, you know, and one of, our, one of the things that's unique about our brand is being able to train here alongside some pro athletes and high-level college and high school athletes. And, like, you know, you could have a group of men or women on one side of the gym, you know, doing kettlebell swings, you know, box squats, kettlebell swings, and Bulgarian lunges. And literally on the other side of the gym, the kids are doing almost the same exact thing, you know. And so, like, here's, I don't know, here's, like, a guy like, I don't know, like a Jake Ceresno or an Andrew Trimbetti, two pros that we that we train, you know, both 6'5", you know, 300-plus pounds and 260-plus pounds. Right. And, you know, and I'm doing the same thing now. How cool is that? That's awesome. You know, I was working out today with with a guy who's playing for the Bears, you know, and it's like, all right, cool. You know, that's pretty neat. So I think that, you know, once you hone in on your client and you know what you're trying to attract, you're actually going to attract those people. 
that's the biggest thing about honing in on your ideal client. So if I go, if I tell, if I go to a, a game, let's say, like you know, if I go to a game and I meet a girl who's telling me about how she does CrossFit, I'm like, oh, well, you know, we ours is harder than CrossFit. We do CrossFit, and she comes here and she's like, well, this is not what I'm used to, right? Uh, I sold her, I sold her the wrong product. I didn't sell her, I didn't sell her. I, she's not the right fit, and I tried to fit a you know a square peg in a round hole. In a sense, instead of being like, no, we're not, that's not what we do. And I'm not picking on CrossFit in any way, shape, or form. It's just a different thing. It's for people who want to train at an at a different level. It's not it's not generally for just, you know, functional fitness. And when you have your ideal client, you're you're <laughs> drawn to that even subconsciously. Like you're making a conscious decision that you're looking for a specific type of person. So even if you are out at a game or you're at the mall, you're at a family party. I'm looking for yeah. You're looking. I'm looking but, for moms, but, but you don't even. <laughs> but you don't. Hey, mama. But you don't even have to think about it to know, like, oh wow, like this person might fit into the realm. But you're not like actively going to that party to be like, oh, I'm going to tr- be trying to prospect business. It's just when you speak about the business or when you speak about what we do, it sounds attractive to that person yes 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 if i was sitting there in a room of 40 to 60 year old moms and dads and i'm talking about wads imams chippers going to the games you know man i I was doing this you know air dying to hell thing it was 50 40 30 20 man there was dudes throwing up all over the place that's probably not the type. And now there's going to be a, a group of people who are like, fuck, sign me up for that. That sounds awesome. But that's not the people for that we're For a few weeks. Yeah, for a few weeks. <laughs> and, uh, and, then, and then obviously, you know, um, you know, that's not what we look for. We, I look for people that I want long-term fitness enthusiasts. I want lifestyle changes. I want, I want more people who walk through the door literally not being able to bend over and touch their toes or see their feet because their belly's in the way or they haven't seen the inside of a gym or whatnot. And 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 to have them make a, a 180 turnaround in a year or two years to where they come back to us and be like, look, I was literally pre-diabetic. My cardiologist was telling me I was going to die. And my wife was checking my, that I was paying my life insurance every month because literally, literally I was on the verge. And you guys honestly changed my life. And that, that's, that's the type of adult client that we look for because I think that's more fulfilling. Um, I, we have all the competitive buckets filled here, you know what I mean, when it comes to you know, chasing our, helping our athletes chase their athletic dreams. For sure. So I don't, need, I don't need to then you know, spend my weekend at some type of you know, mud race helping you know, like competitive Spartan racers and stuff like that. So... All right, so that's number one and number two. You know, what unique problem do you solve and who are you solving the problem for? What's your ideal client and how does, that, and how does it fit in to the problem that you're trying to solve? All right. The third question. <clears> okay. <throat> hey, um, which one do you want to go with, Dan? Number four or number five? Let's do a five. Five? All right. So are there products or people in your business that are not profitable or like we could just say that are that are not pulling their weight if we're talking about a person, okay? And if so, why do you still have them? Um, now, I, I, I'm going to speak candidly. You know, we've had, you know, in the past, we have held on to programs <clears throat> and people 
far below, far beyond the the time in which you know we should have. And, and as as you know, a lot of great business coaches will say, you know, uh, hire slow and fire quick. You know what I mean? And that should be the mantra for like programs too. So if you started, let, let's just say for the sake of this argument that you want to start a a new class, right? And you you give that class like a month, and you're gonna run that class twice a week for a month. And after a month, it's not doing anything, right? Like five people are showing up, but those five people. What happens in a lot of times in the gym is like, oh well, you know, I hate to cut this class because you know five clients that do show up are like some of my good clients, and they really like it. And it just happens to be a time that works for them. So then I hang on to a shitty class for five years, right? And now I'm doing another class. For five people, and I got a super low dollar value session going on, right? Instead of saying like maybe maybe the change around is hey we're gonna cancel this class or hey if you guys want to continue this we could do it as an add as a small group add on to your membership but we're no longer gonna run this as an open format class. Yeah, one that's happening real time here for us is um is a peewee group. We've had a peewee group and the peewees were. Uh, like third, nine, 10, third through fifth grade, yeah. and we did it as an after-school program off-site for a few years. Uh, we brought it here to the gym on Saturdays. We had a group here on Wednesdays, and you know it it, it would undulate in the year where we might have fifteen at any given time. Sometimes we had three kids at any given time. However, for the Pee Wee groups, we just felt like they just were not ready and prepared to deal with not the training, but everything else that was going on in here. And on a Saturday in here, there might be 20 adults. There might be 10 high school athletes. The music's going on. It's just not conducive for a third grader to learn the proper mechanics of doing a no. body weight box squat. Like it's just, and it was something that we held on to because parents asked us to do it. Um, you know, their older brothers or sisters were here training. We just said, you know what? Like, we're going we're gonna to have the cutoff be sixth grade because we feel truthfully that that's where kids can start to handle the mental capacity yeah. of getting better at training. Once you're like 12 years old, you know what I mean? You can dial it in. Like, a, you know, I, I mean, I just look at like my son Antonio right now. I mean, he's just like, he's like, he's literally like a fruit fly. You know, he's not, I get it. He's only one. But like one minute, it's like literally life is just a series of manic highs and lows, right? And from one distraction to the, ah, there's the telephone, ah, couch, ah, toys. You know, it just runs around from one, and then 10 minutes later, ah, you know, <laughs> you know, so, you know, like a third grader who's like seven, eight, nine years old, like they just don't have the capacity to dial no. it in for an hour and we and, and we, behave themselves no. and. And it just becomes a distraction to everybody else in the gym. And it's not that I don't not like that we don't not like kids, but you just have to, you know, we held on to that for years. And finally, we just got to the point where that program will no longer be here. And, you know, it definitely upset some parents because they want their kids in an environment like this. Um, but it was just for the overall brand of the gym. It's like doing birthday parties. How many opportunities have we had? If we were just trying to make a buck, people would have birthday parties here every Saturday. That's not what we're trying to be known for, nor will it ever be, you know, unless we dress up Big Mike as Barney and we start running around here. 
it's uh, you know Trevor shaking his head. He doesn't think it's a bad idea. But Teletubbies, <clears throat> that will never happen. Well, I think like you know, I, I think a big takeaway here is that is is not holding on, looking at your business analytically, and, and being truthful with yourself. And a lot of times, this comes down to asking yourself, "Am I doing too much?" Too like you know what I mean. Like I know me and you have a habit of saying yes and, and getting really excited about a bunch of new things that we learn or or we saw or whatever it might be or a book we read or whatever it is. And it's real easy as an entrepreneur to be like, we could do that in our gym too, right? And it's like, and, and maybe there's some validity there. Maybe we can make money. Maybe it will make things better. But at what cost? You know, and what am I? What do I have to give up? At the end of the day, no matter what, there's a hundred percent. There is not one ten, one twenty, one fifty. And I'm not busting on like the Gary Vanderchucks of the world. I respect Gary very much, and he's a hell of an entrepreneur. But the whole grind till you die thing, and you know, get, you know, when your kids go to bed at ten o'clock, you got from ten till two in the morning to work, and blah blah blah. I don't know about you, but you know. I, I pretty much I get up at five and I go to bed at ten and I pretty much work from five to ten mentally all day. Whether it's I'm actually if whether I'm writing something, emailing, texting, you name it, I'm working right. So so I don't know how much more grind there is, right? And and so the big issue then comes down to if I only have a hundred percent, what is the absolute best use of my time and energy? And and if there's something that's pulling time, and, and you only have you got three commodities, you know what I mean? You got you you got your your time, right? You have your energy, and and you have your your emotions, right? And those are the three things that basically fill your entire life. And if you have something that's taken away time and energy and emotion, right? It's got to go. It's got to go. If you wake up every morning thinking about a class that you don't like because there's not a lot of people. That's cla- that's something that to really look at wholeheartedly and say like, why am I doing this, right? If you have an employee that when you wake up every morning, right, you say to yourself, God, I got I to go deal with this guy again or I got to deal with this woman again. That's a real problem. Like that's got to go. Like you should not be waking up every morning being like, if, if that person's on your mind every single morning in a negative way for any period of time, that person probably has to go. Right, so you, the best way to look at whether or not you have pro- products and people in your business that are not profitable, and it, by profitable, I don't just mean money. Remember the three commodities, right? Time, energy, and emotion. Right? If 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 they're taking away from those things in any way, shape, or form, they need to go. So, like an example is, you know, I don't know. Like here's something that we're switching to real life, right? We're switching away from, reluctantly on my end, we're switching away from an actual written schedule book and just going to mind body because there's a tremendous amount of time and energy being spent on the front desk staff having to look at the book, look at the mind body, look at the book, go ask the coaches, hey, I see in mind body you have a 12 o'clock and in the book you have you do not. Which one's right? Okay, great. Joe updates the book. Dan updates the mind body. Mike updates the book. Sean updates the mind body, right? And the girls literally spend an hour or two every single day trying to figure out which one's right, right? And then coordinating with the coaches 
to, to lock it down. Primarily because of my, you know, uh, you know, I would say, you know, me personally. Emotion. Yeah, 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 but but exactly, <laughs> but like I I I grew up before there was there was no fucking mind body, okay, in two thousand six. So when I started the gym, you had your little black planner and you put everything in a calendar, and I still like that. I, you know, you see me every day. I still carry around my books everywhere with me. You know, it's just it's part of my thing. So moving away was a big emotional step for me, right? But I I but I truly believe that it's saving the gym. Probably five to seven hours a week of just BS back and forth. You know what I mean? That doesn't need to happen. So I'm just making a point now to just, I'm just doing everything in my body. I'm going slow. And I have a hard deadline from Phoebe that December 1, the book will be gone and it will not be out. And when I come in, you will not be able to look at it and you will not be able to see it. <laughs> it doesn't exist anymore. And I'm like, <laughs> we're going to have like a party. I'm going to bury it in the backyard or some shit. So, so uh, remember when uh, when I when I say it's not profitable, I mean is it is it sucking energy in some way, shape, or form? Now, Dan, what are some other examples here that you know with the when it comes to an employee, sometimes you got to look at yourself too, where you might wake up with that emotional stress of being like, man, I'm not doing what I need to do to get this employee profitable, where. You know, there definitely could be a scenario or situation where you just expect the employee to know what to be doing, how to become profitable. But as a leader, you know, it is your job to get them to a point to be profitable if they have all the core values that you're looking for. If you really believe, if I really believe that somebody on our staff is hungry, humble, and committed to the process, but they're not profitable, that's on you and I to get that person above the bar. And if I wake up thinking like, man, this person's, you know, they're just not hitting it on all cylinders. They're not really getting it. That's you, usually a you and I issue. You oh, know? no doubt. So no sometimes doubt. you have to. I would say, I would say, I would say 90 percent of the time, it's it's a leadership issue. Yeah, but if you if you wake up, like you said, and you feel as if somebody's just just a negative energy suck and just you know just somebody that you don't want to be around avoidance is not a strategy you have to immediately go and have a conversation with somebody and that could be an employee it could be a business partner you and i have had conversations that aren't fun to have but i'd rather have the conversation and air out the voice of opinion than to hold on to resentment because the problem just becomes uh so so much worse yeah, yeah exactly and like and I think, Dan, too, like one of the things that I've learned from reading um, like Patrick Lencioni's books, like the you know, Ideal Team Player and the Five Dysfunctions of a Team, um, you know, anybody out there, those should be an absolute must read for anybody who owns a business. Um, but you know, healthy conflict in business is a good thing, and it's supposed to happen. Because people right? give a shit. It's, it, it's okay to sit around a table and argue. It's not okay to call people names. It's not okay to fight. We're not talking about fighting. I, I don't sit here and call Dan stupid or you're a fucking idiot or anything like that. But I'll say, dude, I don't agree with that. That's that's ridiculous, you know. And I'll tell him. And and like you know, as like like a couple weeks weeks ago in our team meeting, like we were like like battling back and forth over some pricing issues and some things that we have. In you know, in front of everybody, and trying to weigh in opinions, and it's like, look, I'm not, I'm not fighting with, I'm not, I'm not, I don't disagree with who Dan is, no. and I don't disagree with, you know, what he does for our company. I'm just disagreeing with, you wanted this to be five, you wanted this to be three hundred, I think it should be five hundred, and 
we got to find the happy ground in the middle. It's a and debate. That's it. It's a debate. It's not. It's not. There's a difference between fighting and conflict. Businesses in in business, fighting is unacceptable. Yeah. Conflict is you want as much conflict as possible because I want I want Sean to come in here and tell me I don't fucking agree with that because of this. But, but have a solution. solution. Yeah. yeah exactly. Solution. And you can't leave a debate being like. Pissed all, off, all, all hot about it. Like you, you're ready to pop off. You have to. It's hard to separate the two, yeah. though, for some people. And like I think that's what I was just gonna say when we brought this up was like a lot of business owners, especially in the junior stages of their business, they're only a few years in or they're just getting started. They treat conflict like a personal addendum to themselves. Yeah, like attack. you're, like you're, you're attacking me. No, no, no. I'm not a th- I, th- dude. You're, you're. I'm not attacking you. I just don't agree with that. Like so, and and like again, you know, this comes down to like thinking about like the, you know, there are only two things that are known. There are there are there are facts, and there are fallacies, right? And and when you start playing a narrative in your head that, you know, Dan's picking on me, Dan's telling me I'm wrong, Dan's trying to undermine me. Those are just stories. The truth is that Dan didn't think that the price should have been five hundred. That he thought that for the clients that we have, that the price should be three hundred. That any of that ancillary shit that might pop up in someone's head is just a bunch of bullshit. It's usually self-talk too. Hey, that's like, what I'm saying. Yeah, so, like a lot of people bring that same like how they treat their friends and family into their business. So, like you know, it might be easy. Like I don't know, maybe you have a like a. You know, uh, whatever you have, whatever relationship you have with mom or dad, and mom, like when mom tells you you're wrong or something, you get all defensive, right? And they'll bring that into business, and, and I can't tell you how fast that'll erode your position as a leader, and how much that'll make the people in your business resent you because there's nothing worse than a leader who always has to be right, right? And 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 look, and I, and and when I started in business for myself, when I was by myself, I had nobody to talk to. I was always right, <laughs> right? You know, there was, there was nobody. That, but, like, you know, once me and Dan partnered up, there were a lot of times. We had a lot of battles in the beginning, and there were a lot of times when, you know, I had to bite my tongue just because I know that it, that something that we maybe I didn't agree with or something that he wanted to do but made him happy. And it was like, you got to give people their bone, too. You got to let people have some type of investment, voice, opinion, too. What's the point of having a team meeting? What's the point of having an advisory board? If 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 like Dan brings up a point in an advisory board and I just say, nah, we're not doing that. It's like, what's the point of even having an advisory board? Just send an email. Yeah, <laughs> hey, this is what we're doing. And that's that. So so you know, that's kind of my my take on stuff that's prop not profitable. Right? Does it take money away? Does it take time away? Does it take energy away and emotion, right? And and so don't just focus on the money. Remember, time is money. Time is your number one commodity. If it doesn't, if, if you have a person who you're an employee and they either don't add time back to your life or they don't add positive energy, and by energy that could be, you know, bringing lots of money to the company and things like that, then they're not worth keeping. And 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 do some re- real anal- analyzing of what you want to do. All right, let's do let's do one more, Dan. You want to do uh, either eleven or twelve? Uh, sure. Why don't we do eleven? Because I'm the I'm the vision guy, so that that's something that I think resonates. I think so. All right, number eleven. Here's this is well. This is no, our fourth question. This is number eleven on our hot seat sheet. 
In 10 years, what does your business look like? And have you clearly outlined a plan to get there? So in 2006, I had no idea, none, zero, that in 2016 that I would be in this building, in this space, doing exactly what we're doing here. Okay? Now, 10 years is a long time. And it's very hard to look down that far down the pipeline for any business because so many things can happen year to year. But that doesn't mean that you shouldn't try and every two or three years redo that vision plan. It's like training. Yeah, exactly. So like, you know, Arnold at maybe 15 didn't know he was going to win six Mr. Olympias, but he said, well... I want to get into the military and I want to be jacked. Okay, great. He gets to the military. Hey, I want to win a local bodybuilding competition. And he does that. And then he's like, well, shit, I won't know. Maybe I can win Mr. Universe. They're telling me I can. And it's like one thing kind of led to the next and you kind of retool that vision. So the number one thing, 10 years, what does our business look like, right? This comes down to something that, you know, Gino Wickman calls the vision traction plan. And, and being able to clearly outline the big ticket items that are going to move your business forward in um in in uh uh you know in the coming years so that could be operations that could be people it could be big picture ideological type stuff it could be a lot of different things right um but in, in 10 years what does the business look like and have you outlined a plan to get there so i don't care if you got a bunch of dead sea scrolls and you write a bunch of shit down on it about what your uh, what you vision like and i think like I think I know Dan, I know me and you have talked about this and tried to do this for ourselves, but I think a lot of entrepreneurs solely focus on the business, but then they don't do the same thing for their home lives. And like our business is us. You know what I mean? So like one of the key components of our business success is being able to clearly identify what Dan and I personally want to be doing in 10 years. Because if Dan says, I want 15 gyms, 150 employees, and I vision myself being this global CEO with brands in London, Japan, and I'm like, yo, I want to be sitting in a boat, fishing, collecting a check, drinking a fucking margarita. Like, that does not sound like something I want to be doing, right? And, 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 and so, you know, obviously those are two stark comparisons, but... but you, you have to be pretty dialed in as to what, what you want your life to be like and then how does that match the business? Because if you're telling me you want to be chilling and semi-retired at 55, well, then that, that's going to mean X, Y, and Z. You know what I mean? And that's going to mean a whole lot of uh, things have to fall in place. So um, here's a couple ideas to think about with the 10-year target and kind of looking down the pipe, right? One... I would say is dream big, right? Uh, don't be ridiculous. Like, don't tell me you're that you're going to have, you know, 500 gyms in 50 countries and stuff like that if you're, you know, but it, it could happen. You tell me, right? It's not like it can't happen, but start, start, start reasonable. Is it obtainable, right? Dream big, uh, uh, but, but keep it within the realms of reason, right? Two, right, revisit that plan, Every single quarter. And when you, when you do your quarterly planning, look at the big picture plan. And are you moving in a direction towards that big picture, right? Because it's super easy to go left and right instead of straight forward, you know? And, and there's lots and lots and lots and lots and lots of distractions along the way, right? 
and things are going to pop up all the time. And you, every time that we try to do something here, it's like I look up on the wall, what's the mission, right? The mission, right, to, 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 to be recognized as world leaders in, in, in strength and conditioning and to give our clients the best hour of the day, right? Are we doing that? Is, is what we're trying to do pricing-wise, training-wise, nutrition-wise, you know, community-wise, are, are those things leading to that goal? Or are they just for me and Dan? Is it just to make a buck? Is it whatever? Like, like Dan said about the birthday parties. Is that really getting us recognition as a world leader in strength and conditioning? No. No, that's just trying to make a couple bucks on a Saturday, right? Could my time be better spent writing Connecting, training, you know, and working with clients, of course, you know what I mean. So there's, yeah, or just, or just having a day to yourself to think and collectively yeah. recharge for a new week, right? And kill and kill my next week instead yeah. of like running myself into the ground because I made five hundred bucks on a Saturday to do a kitty party, you know, not happening. Okay, so when you set up your vision plan and you have an idea what your business looks like, I always say go ten, five, three, one. Right, start with the big picture. Then work back to five years. Then work to three, and then one. Right. And if you can't see ten years, just go five, three, one. If you can't see five years, go three and one. It's got to be like perfect scenario too. Like, what's the point of putting it all together if if it's not ideal? Like, this is just you're dreaming. Honestly, yeah. you're 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 writing out your dreams, and when you can see it in the distance, you can start to formulate that plan now. Yeah. And like, you know, and that, and it could be measurables too, you know, 2 million in revenue, you know, 500, like for us, you know, 2 million plus revenue, 500 plus athletes, 250 adult clients, you know, a fully enclosed, you know, outdoor area, you know, sports performance, training, nutrition, PT, we want to, you know, and, and we have, we are literally barely scratching the surface of what we can do in this facility. So in the next couple of years, we'll be making some huge strides forward. And it's like, you know, you have to really believe in that. I also believe that Dan and I see a long-term plan of, you know, uh, uh, finding, you know, a successor where I will not be or we will not be running the day-to-day -day operation here at the gym in the same capacity that we are now, that we will still be here, that we will still be part of the advisory board, that we will still be part of the operational vision and processing that goes on here. But there will be a, 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 a another, let's call it CEO, general manager in place that will run the day-to-day -day operations. Well, that comes and down to Gino Wickman also where you, know, you put something out there for 10 years if you're running your business know a good way to to realize if you have a business or not or whether you're bottlenecking your business is if somebody else is running the day-to-day -day and somebody else is doing all the marketing the processing the back-end uh, systemization of everything then it allows you to step away to be like man I can really work on the vision I can really work on the connecting I can kind of take the reins off of this thing and this business that we've created has somebody else running it and running it well and better than ever before, it's the ultimate testament to our own leadership, our, our own, own leadership systems, that yeah. we were able to bring it to that level and bring it to that point where it could sustain, not only sustain, but thrive and grow. And I also think too, like, you know, and I don't want people to think like, 
that should not you should not feel like that's packing it in like that's a cop out or anything like that that does not mean that I'm stepping away from training it does not mean that I'm stepping away from the business it means that I'm going to train a very select few people who I want to train and I'm going to focus on growing the business new business acquisition big picture plans and our consulting business which is something that you know Dan and I both really love to do and believe in and you know the feeling that I get from helping another gym owner, you know, jump over the hurdles and dodge and weave the pitfalls that we have, uh, it makes me feel really great. It's the same feeling that I get when I have an athlete who goes and dominates the combine or something like that. It's that same rush that I get. Like, man, the thing, the, the processes and, and procedures that I put in place to help this person get from A to B worked, and that's really good. And you know, uh, from a from a logistical standpoint. Uh, we could do that from anywhere in the world, right? Where like the obviously the brick and mortar gym is here, so uh, that's that that's some of the hot seat. That's kind of some of the questions that you think you need that I think that you need to answer, and that Dan and I both know that if you can answer them, that you will absolutely run a better business and be able to you know dominate your 2019. So I highly recommend that you try to answer those questions uh, before the year's up. And if there are holes and you can't, you know, then start plugging them and start filling the answers in and getting getting the answers and or creating the systems and processes that you need to make those answers come to life and uh, and hone in on, you know, your best version of your business for 2019. And kick ass, everybody. Peace out. Take care, gang. That's the business of strength. The business of strength powered by Varsity House Gym. Turn your passion into your profession and learn how to run a world-class business. Be sure to visit us at www.strengthentrepreneurs.com to learn more. And as always, at varsityhousegym.com. Become unstoppable.